Last time on Legends of the Batman. Giving chase in the bat gyro, the Batman follows what he believes to be the monk's car. He lowers down via a rope ladder and lands on top of the car, and then tosses a gas pellet inside, causing the car to swerve off the road and crash into a tree. The Batman realizes the monk wasn't in the car after all, but he grabs the now unconscious Julie and makes a run once more, boarding the bat gyro. He then sets course for Hungary and another date with the monk. Hey everyone, and welcome to Legends of the Batman. I am Michael Bradley. I am Michael Kaiser. This is episode 6, and this time out we are covering the world of Batman from September 1939, which includes just one comic book, Detective Comics number 32. Yep. Uh, The sequel to Detective Comics number 31. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Which we we talked about last episode. This is uh, sort of an interesting episode because it's the first time we've recorded since the premiere episode went live, and that just went out a couple of days ago. So yeah, um, we've started to get some feedback. Uh, we got a couple shout-outs on Facebook from John M. Wilson and David Riley and Suzanne McNeil, and they all said they liked the episode. And we also got our first email, a second email, I guess I should say. Woohoo! A woohoo! We have we have two whole fans, <laughs> at least. At least two fans, yeah. yeah. It's from uh, Glade Packer, and he writes, Hey guys, my name is Glade, and I'm a huge Batman fan. I found your podcast through John Wilson's Golden Age Superman podcast, and I started counting down the days to when your podcast would come out. I have two things to, to quickly address. You asked about what would Batman do if he didn't have the wrench he found on the table. He would use his belt. I'm sure that it's durable enough to crack the glass. I'd experiment with that, but I don't have any glass to try, but I'm sure it would work. Oh, and when you were talking about reprints from Detective Comics number 27, when they released Batman Begins, if you got the collector's edition or whatever, and I assume he means the DVD there, yeah. uh, it came with a book that collected various Batman comics, and Detective Comics number 27 was among the collected stories. Well, I've gone on and on, so thank you for doing this podcast, and look forward to hearing more soon. Glade. And then he puts a PS. Uh, he says, I also do a comics podcast. The series I'm focusing on is Spawn, and you can find that at tsaproductions.podbean.com. I was wondering if it's okay if I use your promo on my show. No. <laughs> um, I replied to Glade uh, personally on that. Yeah, I mean, anybody that wants to promote our show is you know, fine with us. So yep. uh, just go to the website and download it and stick it in your podcast. And if you do, let us know, and we'll try to plug you back. Um, if you have a promo, send it our way, or just let us know, and we'll give the URL on the site or in the show sometime. Yeah, and on the website, it's it's got its own post dedicated to it, the promo. But uh, if that ever ends up, you know, getting to be on a second page or a third page, you can also find it um, by clicking on the little logo of Batman's alternating heads mm-hmm. on the right of the sidebar, the top of the sidebar on the right hand side, just to let anybody know. And of course, it's showing up in our uh, iTunes feed also. Right. It should be the very first, uh, the very first posting to that. So. Right. But thanks, Glade, for writing in, and absolutely. Uh, look forward to hearing more from you and from the other listeners we have out there. So we'll be giving the contact info at the end of the show. So. And if you ever do that, uh, that test to see if, if the utility belt will break, break, break glass, uh, please write know. back and let us know. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, you know, cut yourself or anything. Cause, no, no. Yeah. No. Uh, we are not endorsing that test. Um, no. Okay, so should we talk about Detective Comics number 32? Sure. Okay, it's, uh, like we already said, it was uh, released approximately September 12th, 1939. It has a cover date of October 1939. It was, again, another whopping 10 cents, and Vincent Sullivan is the editor. 
on the cover, we have no Batman feature. It's a it it depicts a uh, a cop, uh, a very uh, you know heroic looking cop, uh, putting a guy in a chokehold and wrestling a, a Tommy gun out of his hand. Um, but I think, like we said last episode, I'm not sure if we did or not, but from from last issue, Detective Number Thirty One, uh, from here on out, uh, Batman's always going to be represented on the cover in some form, and he's got on this issue, he's got a a little head on the very top of the cover and underneath it says uh, the Batman. So it's a little Batman icon just to let everybody know that the Batman's inside. And it'll have an icon like that on it uh, all the way to number 143. The icon, it'll it'll change as his look evolves, Mm -hmm. but it'll have a little Batman head on there for a decade almost. Yeah. And that kind of made me think of, uh, you know, there's all these Superman stories. And by stories, I don't mean, you know, the fictional kind. I mean the... uh, the kind talking about his creation and, and you, you know, you don't necessarily know where those stories came from or how factual they are. But one of the stories I've heard many times is that, uh, when Superman was on the cover, it'd sell a lot. And when he wasn't on the cover, you know, the sales would drop. And so they, they called and asked real, you know, retailers, what's the deal with that? And they said, well, the kids don't realize that Superman's in the book. Yeah. Some reason. I I can, I can believe that because, you know, just looking at the covers, you can see how quickly, Superman took over the cover, and how quickly Batman took over the cover of this one. Right. And even on like um, adventure comics, they started putting the Sandman on the cover. Yeah. Because he so, was the main feature there. So. I guess I was just thinking that maybe this icon they created was their answer to that problem. Could be. For Detective Comics, just to make sure people knew that the Batman was inside. Um, but anyway, on to the story. Uh, let's see. Oh, by the way, the cover was drawn by. Fred Gardner. I'm not sure I said that. Anyway, inside Batman versus the Vampire Part Two, and it's by Gardner Fox, with pencils uh, by Bob Kane, and Sheldon Moldoff once again does the backgrounds, and then inks by Bob Kane and letters by Sheldon Moldoff. And it starts with a brief recap of the last story because this story is actually a direct continuation of the last story. Um, and it says, following his fiance, the Batman, in reality Bruce Wayne, has trailed a sinister figure, cowled like a monk, into Hungary. And then it cuts to Batman swinging through some creepy woods during the night, chasing after a horse and carriage. And dropping down on top of the carriage, he quickly throws a gas pellet inside to knock out the passenger, and then lifts the driver over his head and tosses him to the ground. Poking his head inside the carriage, the Batman is surprised to find that the passenger he knocked out was not the monk, as he had hoped, but rather a mysterious and now unconscious woman wearing a dress and a cloak and hood. The Batman throws her unconscious body over his shoulder and takes her to his bat gyro and then flies her to the hotel where he is safeguarding his fiancée, Julie. The mysterious woman wakes up and tells both Batman and Julie that her name is Dala. Batman leaves the two women together and posts himself outside their door to guard them from the monk. Later that night, Batman hears some quiet sobbing, and upon investigating, finds Dala leaving the room in a heavy trance with blood upon her lips. Distracted by concerns for Julie's safety, the Batman does not notice when Dala, suddenly free from her trance, grabs a statue and knocks Batman on the back of the head. Momentarily stunned, the Batman awakens to find Dala gone. He quickly checks Julie, who is still sleeping in her bed, now with fresh bite marks on her neck. Uh, Spotting the fleeing Dala from a window, he uses his lasso to swing to the ground and overtake her, whereupon he accuses her of working with the monk, having deduced that they both must be vampires. Dala admits to working for the monk, but only because she fears him, and agrees to guide the Batman to the monk's location if he will kill him and set her free. The Batman checks on Julie one last time, giving her some cash and telling her to try her best not to get hypnotized again, and then flies off in the bat gyro again with Dala in tow, who guides him to the monk's lair. As they approach the monk's stronghold, a mysterious net appears from nowhere, as if operated by magic, and snares the bat gyro, guiding it to the ground. Dala reveals her true colors, labeling the Batman a fool, as the monk appears and catches the Batman in his hypnotic gaze. Leading an entranced Batman to his lair, the monk decides he must kill him, but Dala suggests that the Batman must suffer more than death, and suggests that the monk summon Julie with his hypnotic powers. The Batman, frozen in a trance, watches in horror as Julie arrives at the monk's castle. The monk tells Batman he is going to make Julie a werewolf, to ravish on all living men, and then the the Batman will be dead and helpless to avenge her. 
The monk then shapeshifts into a wolf and summons wolves to gather into his wolf den. The monk then throws the Batman to the wolves, literally. The Batman suddenly finds the hypnotic spell broken and is able to act once more. He immediately attempts to escape from the wolf pit with his silken rope, but fails to snag anything. Keeping the wolves at bay with gas pellets, he remembers his secret batarang tucked in his belt, attached, attaches it to his rope, and uses the boomerang weapon to wrap the rope around a pillar, allowing him to climb free and seek his vengeance. Finding Julie sleeping quietly in a room, he takes advantage of the fact that the sun has come up, and while the monk and his dastardly associate Dala sleep away the day, he fashion, fashions two silver bullets, creeps into their tomb, opens their coffin, and puts one in each of their heads. Julie immediately awakens, free from the now-dead monk's hypnotic power, and wraps her arms around her rescuer, expressing her gratitude. Julie and Batman fly away into the moonlit night with a little help from the Bat-Gyro. The end. <laughs> so we're flipping our flipping the tables on this one huh last last episode i pretty much you know hated the story and mm-hmm. and you were kind of a fan i have a feeling we're going to be the opposite and now it's going to be me railing for the next 45 minutes yeah uh, story right uh but look they're on the very first page we have a ripoff and a swipe it's <laughs> batman's new title logo which, oh yeah uh, it looks exactly like uh, the superman title logo that they've been uh-huh. using since uh july 1938 so yeah. Except it says Batman. Right. Yeah, that was fairly obvious. And then also the pose right underneath it, I think, is the exact same pose as uh, Detective Number 30's, you know, pose that we actually talked about, where it was like the first time Batman puts his yeah. cape over his face. It's a little different, but as I'm quickly discovering reading through these stories, Bob Kane has about four poses. <laughs> he uses them over and over and over. Right, right. So Maybe he's cutting and pasting. Who knows? <laughs> But this is the uh, uh, the image we use in our cover art. If you guys have the little, you know, little mm-hmm. iTunes window, look down there. You can see the little cover art. I thought that looked familiar. It's a cool pose. But... Oh yeah, very, very vampiric, which is appropriate for this. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't really recognize that. Yeah. Good point. I was thinking we're going to be really popular because these last two episodes are about vampires, and vampires are way in right now. With Twilight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to get the, the Twilight fans to listen right. to our show? Yeah, okay. why not? All right. Uh, the monk isn't shirtless, though. So, But anyway, the story opens in kind of like last issue where he uh, is hunting through Paris looking for Julia. They kind of bypass any detective work whatsoever and right. go straight to him finding what he thinks is the monk. Right. It didn't bother me here, but mm-hmm. it did later. And when we get to the second page, I'll talk about why it bothers me. Okay. It didn't bother me last time either. Yeah, but but here it does, and I'll, we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. So, but I really like um the second to last panel here where he drops down on the carriage. Oh yeah, I mean that yeah. is about as bat looking as he's ever been. Oh yeah, and it makes me think that you're onto something. You mentioned I got in the second episode maybe that you thought the cape was supposed to function as some sort of glider. Mm-hmm. And seeing a panel like this really makes me think that you might be onto something. Yeah. With that, but yeah, I mean because they do that eventually. I mean. In Batman Begins, for instance, or even you can even look at the uh, the Val Kilmer movie, um, Batman uh, Forever. He jumps off a building and lands in his car, no problem. Right. So that eventually they figure out that that functions, but I just never realized that it, you could actually maybe tie it all the way back to his, you know, Golden Age origins. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'm just looking into things, but I kind of like this overall first page though. It's very uh-huh. uh, eerie, kind of. Yeah. Setting the tone for right. the old black and white movie horror movies. Yep, they they are uh, in Hungary, so right, very Transylvania like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, I don't have just a whole lot to say, a whole lot of good things to say about this story, but I I will say that they do the whole story through. They do a good job of setting that kind of tone. Right. You know, it's interesting. If you look at the, I just noticed this. If you look at the uh, like the original scans of the original issue, uh-huh. it says uh, Hungaria. But in the reprints, they've changed it to just say Hungary. Ah. That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's like a spelling error or something? or. No, Hungary is like an older an older name for Hungary. Oh, well. Yeah. Maybe they just decided to update it because people like me don't have never heard oh, of Hungary be. before. Yeah. Huh. Of course, as we'll get into later, you know, they're making stuff up as they go anyway. So. True. This is this is the world of DC. Every, right. every place does not exist, but... 
So then we get to page two where Batman jumps on top of the moving carriage and uh-huh. throws a gas pellet inside. Right. And this carriage has like huge wide open windows, yet somehow Bala <laughs> is knocked out in like five seconds. Yeah, and nobody else is either. If it's strong right. enough to knock her out, you think it would knock yeah. Batman out who's sitting right there. But yeah, I thought about that. That he does seem and he'll do it later too, as we'll we'll see, but he does seem to be a little um careless with that gas. He just throws it wherever and it, it seems to knock out exactly who he needs it to knock out. Right. Right. And yeah. part of that's just the the story. It has to be that way, I suppose. But mm-hmm. God, it's just everything. It's just one of those things that really ruins the story for me with it, it, with everything else that it compounds with. Uh huh. But I got to say, I like the way he took out the driver. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, he just picks him up over <laughs> his head. And you think, do you think he killed him or? He looks pretty dead to me, but he's certainly unconscious there. Right. Um, I don't know. I guess if we can't verify it, it doesn't count. But yeah. But, uh, I was kind of wondering if maybe Fox wasn't Gardner Fox wasn't taking some heat over the the vicious snapping of Mikhail's neck back in number twenty nine. Could be, or yeah, because this issue and last issue was more vague about you know if he was actually killing the people or well the the, the human people I should say I guess. Well, and you know Batman and Superman and I can only assume Sandman, you know Crimson Avenger, all these guys just get nicer as it goes along right. i don't know if that's because of feedback that they received or they just want their people to be more heroic a lot of that was um i can't think of his name Who, whoever took over as editor for the titles after vin sullivan left a Got lot of me. it was him implementing oh, yeah. that code yeah okay well you know because they become big iconic trademarks and right you know kids have them on their lunchbox yeah yeah so then we ben? realized that batman thought the monk was in the carriage right which makes me think that either A, the monk is very tricky, uh-huh. or Batman's just not good at following people because yeah. he thought the monk was in the car last issue. Yeah. And here he thought he was in the carriage, and he was wrong both times. Right. This I think Gardner Fox is a uh, Batman is much more fallible than than uh, well I don't want to say fingers Batman, but just your traditional Batman. Right. It seems like he's always screwing up in some way and having to make up for it. Yeah. But, but here's why it bothers me that we didn't see any of the lead-up to the first page. Mm-hmm. And it's – why did he think the monk was in the carriage? I have no idea. And if he thought the monk was in the carriage, then why does he ask himself and wonder if this woman is related to the monk? And how did he find the, the carriage in the first place? <laughs> right. And why did he think the monk was in it? I, right. It this, doesn't make any sense. Much like this – much like last story, it just starts off with no explanation. And lots of questions, and they never seem to get answered. So yeah, but at least there, it didn't matter as much. I guess, yeah. No. Yeah, that's true because this is part two, so you would think it would have started off where we left off last issue, right? Or, or at least explain that gap in time, right? You know. No, it doesn't. Yeah, we have no idea why he assumes that this coach has something to do with the monk. Even when he finds that it's not the monk, he still is sure that it has something to do with him. So, I mean, he takes the woman. He doesn't just say, "Whoops, my bad," and Go look somewhere else. You know, he takes her. So, yeah, but it still doesn't seem that he's that sure that she's working with the monk. Well, I hope he actually doesn't believe that she's working with the monk because that's the biggest bonehead move ever to lock <laughs> lock her up with his fiance. Right, right. Um, Which we can talk about in a minute because I right. have more complaints before we get there. Right, right. Um, so they climb back into the now suddenly blue bat plane when it was yeah. gray last issue. And they fly to Batman's hotel. And they're calling it the Batplane, just to point that out, because right. last well, issue it, it was They the called Bat it the Batplane at the end of last issue. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was I the Batgyro at the beginning and the Batplane at the end. Oh, okay. Anyway, then they, they fly back to Batman's hotel in the Carlathan Mountains. Where's that? They don't exist. Right. Right. So why not just call them the, you know, the Carpathian Mountains? Exactly. Instead of making up a fake mountain range in a real country. I have no idea, because they they don't want people to trek there and look for the monk in, <laughs> the in Batman's hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Which I assume he paid for with his back credit card again, I guess. Right. Uh, I think he just owns the hotel. Could be. But yeah, we'll never know. So then they go back to the hotel, and he introduces Julie and Dalla, and everyone just goes to bed. Yeah, in the same room. In the same room. He knows nothing and, about her, but sure. It just seems like Dalla should be more upset, and Julie should too, because 
if if Dala is dangerous or connected to the monk, why would Julie be okay sleeping in the same room with her? Right. And if, if Julie thinks that Batman has kidnapped Dala, then why isn't she freaking out that Batman has kidnapped an innocent woman? Right. And if Dala isn't connected to the monk, you'd think she would have thrown more of a fit. Right. Instead, yeah. her, her whole entire quote here is, my name is Dala. I seem to have been kidnapped by your friend here. The end. The end. So, then they go to bed. Right. And then they all go to bed. Batman... I don't. I also don't know why Batman isn't interrogating her, or yeah. at least keeping her away from you know keeping him, keeping her away from his fiance. Right. It's just, even, it's just just male show or sexism of some kind where he just assumes a female can't can't be bad. Too dangerous for a girl, I guess. I, I guess don't know. He hasn't met Catwoman yet, but <laughs> but yeah, the, another, this is another example of of Batman screwing up. I mean, this he, he's just being dense. Yeah, I know. I, it really even goes beyond being dense because it doesn't make any sense either way. Or, like I suggested last issue, maybe he doesn't give a lick about his fiance and he's just <laughs> using her as a guinea pig, or a uh, a uh, not guinea pig. What's the word I'm looking for? As as bait. Bait. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would fit. So Batman sends the women folk into the bedroom to go to bed. And then he just goes to his happy place right outside the door. <laughs> I can't tell if he's sleeping or if he's thinking. <laughs> it says that night the Batman safeguards his fiance and the stranger. Yeah. Well, yeah. Either way, I mean his eyes are open, but he doesn't really have eyes, so you can't. Right. You can't tell, but he kind of looks like he's just leaning against the door with his arms crossed, nodding off. Uh huh. So then he hears um. Sobbing moans, it says, from inside the room. Uh-huh. And suddenly, Dala comes out wearing a completely different dress than she had on before. Yeah, exactly. Where did she get the changing clothes? Uh, I guess she stole Julie's outfit. Well, but how did – Julie's wearing a different outfit too, so how did she get the clothes? <laughs> because I, Maybe they were playing, playing dress-up before they went to bed. <laughs> but Batman – last issue, Batman rescued Julie from the monk's castle. Uh-huh. And they went – according to the text, they went straight to Hungary. Right. So did Batman take Julie shopping yeah. first instead of <laughs> going out and searching for the deadly supervillain intent on you know hypnotizing and killing people or – I don't understand. Yeah, it's inconsistent. I guess you could just assume that he gave her a big wad of money and told her to go buy something nice. but Here, this money will safeguard you. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean it doesn't even make – why even bother with that? That uh, – it's like they're just they're being inconsistent for just you know the sake of confusing us. Um, <laughs> they're doing a good job if that's their plan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's really no purpose to it. So then, this last two thirds of this page is just nonsensical. Um, Dala comes out of the room, and Batman sees blood on her lips. Right. So he's worried about Julie, mm-hmm. but then he seems to be pushing Dala back into the room. Right. And somehow, Dala is able to. Turn around, get behind him, grab a statue that looks just like an Academy Award, and, smack, <laughs> Bat- <laughs> and well, smack Batman over the head with it. That's the Not award. Before he notices. So, what's going on with that? Well, she got the statue because um, that's the award she just got for acting like she was in a trance. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you're right. It's like it's like somehow she's in front of him, and the next panel she's directly behind him. Um, but and he's like, pushing her back into the room. Yeah. So, and then she's behind him all of a sudden with yeah. a statue in her hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much like last issue, I think the artwork here is not up to par with what it's been. And I don't know if that's – if we no. should just blame Sheldon Moldoff for that or if Bob Kane is just getting tired. <laughs> well, you know, those or, 10 pages a month are awful hard. Yeah, or they just don't work well together. Maybe you know, one's doing one half of the characters and the other's doing the other half or something and it's just not working be. out right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but you're – it. yeah it, – it's hard. It's much less readable than it used to be. Yeah. So then Batman goes in to check on Julie. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, if I'm you know dominating the conversation, oh. just feel free to chip in. But Batman goes to check on Julie, and he comes back. Oh, he sees the spots on her neck, and he comes back, and he seems surprised that Dala's gone. Yeah. So did he expect her to stick around after smacking him over the head, or? And she didn't get very far either. Well, she had to go downstairs. Yeah, I guess. And then out to the courtyard. So right. I, I noticed that too, and I kind of blew it off because it was a distance to travel. But yeah, and we don't know how long he was stunned. It could have been a second or, right? You know, twenty minutes. Who knows? But, right. But 
he just seems surprised that the possibly evil woman is possibly evil. Yeah. So. And then jumping down to Catcher, we see... That famous pose that we've uh, seen at least five or 6,000 times oh in the past God. six issues. He really likes that pose. Mm-hmm. But then they have this conversation, and maybe I'm just reading it funny, but she's like... Uh, you know, begging him, why don't you, you know, I, I only work for the monk because I'm scared of him. You know, he's a bully. Will you, will you, if I take you to him, will you kill him? And his answer is, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. What are you me. judging here, Batman? I don't, I don't understand what that means. Is he just, <laughs> he's just pulling from the tough guy dialogue <laughs> and applying it incorrectly or? <laughs> he's got a little handbook of tough guy phrases and he just... <laughs> cue cards on his written on the inside of his back glove. That's why he wears the longer gloves now, because he's got the tough guy phrases written yeah. on his wrists, and he just looks down and. I read that but, quite a few times, trying to decide whether it was it was me that wasn't getting that, or it, it just no, didn't make any sense. No, it's not you. Yeah. But Julie's on the ground here, either having tripped or been you know kicked over by Batman. We don't really know. We just see him swinging, and then she's on the ground. So. Right. Um, and I wonder if Batman has ever. They seem to be going on the idea that Batman realizes that vampires exist. Uh-huh. There's no him finding out or being no. shocked or that you know some kind of freak is biting his fiance's neck. It's just oh, okay, you're a vampire. I understand. Right, right. Well, and it's hard to say. I mean, we're assuming everything we read here is a first appearance or the first time it's happened to him. But obviously, right. Obviously, in Detective Twenty Seven, he was already full blown Batman. So, right. Maybe he's had vampire experiences before. Who knows? Could be. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's geared towards kids and they just assume that kids will go along with the idea that vampires exist. No questions. I do kind of like the last panel there. It's a little something different. Or a close up on his, on the top half of his head. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But see, I'm not all negative about the, <laughs> oh, so then, um, Julie offers to take Batman to the monk's hideout mm-hmm. and Batman just goes along because, Trusting the evil villain who just three panels earlier you were belittling for being an evil villain is always a good idea. And I hate – I don't hate, but I, I think this bit where with Julie before he leaves is ridiculous too. It's like, <laughs> let me give you a wad of money and honey, please try not to get hypnotized again, okay? <laughs> I don't understand them. See, again, he says this money will safeguard you. I am going. Yeah. How is the money supposed to – is she supposed to hire a bodyguard or – Safeguard her from getting kicked out of the motel? I don't know. Well, obviously not if the – I mean – Yeah. Obviously the the hideout – the hideout – the hotel is in a very safe place if you know, you're bringing yeah. accomplices back. It's just uh. – See here – and here he's saying um, you must fight against the power that calls you to this monk, right? So he right. knows that – that's a possibility. So I don't know. How about a rope or something? <laughs> tie her up, maybe. That would be some planning ahead. But you expect him to tie up the his fiance? Um, better than having her become a <laughs> werewolf. Yeah. Well, he doesn't know they're werewolves yet. He thinks he thinks they're vampires, which well, they might actually be. Yeah, that that's a point of confusion with me too. But I guess right. we we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and then so anyway, they depart in their in the bat plane slash gyro, and um, I'm kind of not a fan of the whole silver net dealio that pops up out of nowhere and yeah and captures him was it was it always there or did batman just not somehow see the giant net he was flying into um yeah it doesn't it looks like it pops up from the ground but you got a point there it doesn't actually say that so maybe it was just invisible (laughs) or something but last i checked i've heard of a vampire i've heard a lot of vampire powers but never uh you know, manipulation of magic net, but... No, no. Bella's wearing her, uh, this little, like, rain poncho thing that uh, she pulled out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and as Batman... Oh, no, they get caught in the net, and then she just starts, like, belittling uh, Batman. Yeah. Channeling her... I, I put in my notes that she was channeling her inner Lois Lane. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I kind of expected Batman to just shove her out of the plane. Oops, sorry. Just backhand her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. At that point, you could maybe think she's just playing both sides or saying whatever needs to be said, depending on who's in charge of the situation. I guess. I... But eventually, she goes above and beyond with the, <laughs> you know, requesting that Julie come along and, <laughs> right. and be tortured too. So obviously, she's she's a fan of the monk. 
and was just messing with Batman. Um, so we have the uh, the net again, which somehow the the bat plane gets caught in the net and yet somehow lands safely on the ground. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not sure how that works. And then it seemed like they could have just had Batman land on the ground. And, yeah, and then have know, the monk just pop out of nowhere. Like he was going to land on the boat. He was going to land eventually anyway. What does right. it matter? Why right. why make up this weird net thing? But <laughs> show the monks. Weird hoodoo powers, I guess. I guess, yeah. Um, but anyway, this time he's unlike last issue. He actually succeeds in hypnotizing the Batman. The first time he just underestimated Batman's will or something. Could be. But do you think it's safe to assume that um, the monk sent Dalit to kill Batman? I no. Or, see, <laughs> going back to that second page, we don't know how Batman found the the carriage. No. Because the monk seems surprised to see Batman here. Yeah. Or no, he says he says he so. Seems surprised that he's still alive. Yeah. So my my friend, so, the Batman. So you are still alive. But yet he had no reason from last issue to think the Batman was dead, because he saw the Batman get out of the cage with the giant monkey werebeast. <laughs> yeah. And I know. But yet he has no reason to think that he's in Hungary either. So if the monk sent Dala to kill Batman. Wouldn't it have just been easier to put some kind of long dis- long distance mental whammy on the Batman like he did Julie and say go play in traffic or something? Well, if that's how his power works, but maybe he can only do long distance when they've been bitten or or maybe since we don't know anything about his relationship with Julie from last issue, one of my big complaints, we don't know <laughs> if he's already personally bit her at some point or yeah. if she's like his official um, – you know, um, what do you call it? Slave or, um, concubine. Um, that's the right word. Not for, why am I trying to say familiar? Um, you know, vampires have, have their, uh, yeah, he's her sire. Yeah. Um, we don't know. She's obviously under his spell from the get go. Right. From last issue, last issue. So, uh, but we don't know. And it's never explained. It's never explained. It's just, it's never explained why he went all the way to you know New York City or state to get her in the first place, right? And 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 no answers were given this story. No, no. <laughs> and that, you know, I let it go last issue because I thought, well, we'll explain it in the second half. But now they don't, and it just aggravates aggravates me. <laughs> so. so anyway, Julie gets hypnotized from long distance, as we just said, and right. and somehow makes it there by that same night. You know, walking like Frankenstein. Um, so either Batman really likes his Batplane, even though it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> I could just see this conversation, Dollar. Like, no, seriously, it's just a block. It's just a block down the street. Get in the plane. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I can see uh, Christian Bale having that uh, conversation with um, what's her name that played Rachel. Uh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Mrs. Cruz. Yeah. Kim Holmes. <laughs> no, really, it's, it's just start over here. <laughs> yeah. Get in the plane. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, Julie, um, I think Julie, last issue you were, or last episode, issue episode, issue episode, you were uh, kind of unhappy with Julie's portrayal, maybe as far as body language. and. She just didn't seem like a, Last, uh, yeah, last issue. She she didn't seem like a likable person at all. Right. This issue, she seems very enamored with Batman and right. very concerned for his welfare. So that got toned down a little bit. But maybe that maybe she was totally uh, still under the control of the or under the thrall of the monk. I guess maybe. Oh, last issue, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, they don't explain stuff. No. But then uh, when um, Julie gets to the castle. Uh huh. Batman is hypnotized, and right. the monk is talking to him, and he says, "Soon, your Julie will be as we will be as we are, werewolves, to ravish on all living men." So, are are the monk and Julie supposed to be werewolves or vampires? They're well, biting people yeah. and sleeping in coffins at night. Uh-huh. Batman says they're vampires, and yet he says they're werewolves. He turns into a werewolf. Yes. And well, well I kind of. Chalk this up to the vampires having the ability to shape change, and maybe he is just using that ability to shape change and summon real werewolves. I don't know. But uh, he says. But he does say we. It will be as we are werewolves. Right. 
yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Maybe Batman's just completely wrong about the whole vampire thing. Except, like and you why said, why are they biting people in the neck and sleeping in coffins? And last I checked, vampire or werewolves don't do the whole trance thing either. Right. Um, not that I've met a werewolf, but <laughs> traditionally. So you're right. He's kind of like a vampire and a werewolf all at the same time. Um, he's still wearing the hood mm-hmm. and the uh, you know the Ku Klux Klan in red outfit. Right. Yeah. Um, but speaking of werewolves, I or wolves in general, I think Bob Kane is really bad at drawing wolves. I think he's bad at drawing animals. <laughs> it looks like he turns into a ferret. <laughs> I was thinking squirrel, but yeah, ferret yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. And, yet, and, the the, uh, the wolves here on the last second to last panel look better. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, but and again, the timing just seems weird. Like, not only the Julie thing, but then he's standing in with Batman over the pit, but then he turns into a wolf and then he goes out into the woods and he summons the wolves and he comes back and Batman's still standing there in the pit. It's like the panels are out of order or something like that. Maybe. Well, Batman I don't know. was hypnotized. True. I he was frozen. He could, it, it was like he couldn't control his body. He was just frozen. Yeah. He could see and, and hear and all that, but just couldn't move. Yeah. So that part didn't bother me. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense. It just seems like, I don't know. There could have been a better way to do it, maybe. I don't know. Right. But um, Batman's belt here and on the next two pages are miscolored, if we're keeping track of that sort of thing. Again with the yellow-blue? or? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the like reprint a... right now. Oh, okay. It looks like it's like the, the belt itself is blue, but then the buckle and the, the little uh, capsules are yellow, mm. if you look at the original. Okay, yeah. But then he gets pushed into the den and instantly... <clears throat> excuse me, instantly uh, comes out of the hypnosis mm-hmm. only to uh, completely miss. <laughs> Fail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of liked again. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's showing that Batman has to, he's not always 100% on things. And it was cool that he, he managed to pull the rope out yeah. and, and toss it before he even hits the ground, you know? Right. Like he just wakes up and instantly goes into action. But again, here we go with these gas pellets. I mean, he's in the same pit <laughs> as the wolf. And he's, <laughs> right. to- he's tossing gas pellets at them to keep them at bay, and you'd think that would knock him out too. Uh-huh. And this is an even bigger open area than the than the coach was. Right. Uh-huh. Right. So either neither of them should be knocked out or they should both be knocked out. Maybe these are, uh, you know, bat werewolf repellent capsules or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Exactly. We haven't got to that that kind of uh, campiness yet. No, nope, just a couple more months. <laughs> a couple more months, right? But then it says towards dawn the wolves awake. So he right. must have been down there a long time tossing that lasso up trying to to get uh, to get out, and he just kept missing over and over and over again. Or I guess, but how long could he be down there and not realize he has a giant batarang in his pants? I know you'd think he'd feel I... that, right? <laughs> you'd think so. I, I mean, he. <sighs> I don't know. It's just another in a long list of things that don't make sense about this story. Yeah. The, see, again, it's with the timing. It's not not only right. you know, the pacing of the panels, but the time of day, or you know how quickly one you know how quickly one day goes by and then another doesn't. I don't know. It's all over the place. But I do like that he, like we said already, that he failed to uh, to get out initially. I mean, again, that's I guess Gardner Fox mm-hmm. liking Batman to be human, and I also like his solution was a. Uh, Again, we finally get to see the boomerang, boomerang, the batarang as a in you know, action, as, as a, a in action as a boomerang, you know, uh-huh. flying around the pillar and coming right back at him. That was yeah. Cool. I, I like that we saw him kind of makeshifting a tool on the fly and combining two of his existing weapons to make something. You know, and he, didn't, he didn't automatically have a a gadget to get out of the pit. He had to kind of MacGyver something together. Right, and that ends up being a first for first appearance of you know. I'm not even sure what you call this, but that's kind of like one of his standard tools now, isn't it? I mean, he doesn't normally just throw a rope without a battering. Like a grappling hook type of deal? Yeah. Yeah, sort of, like a beta version of it. Yeah. I mean, up till now, he's just been using a rope with a lasso. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first time he's done something a little trickier. So then we get a panel of Batman skipping gaily along while he goes to <laughs> seek his vengeance. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, the the drawing doesn't exactly match the the <laughs> caption, does it? No, no. <laughs> um, but then here's where it completely just jump ships for me. Is <laughs> really, is, it took ten pages for that? 
I guess I was I was uh I don't know, I can't say I like this story, but compared to the last episode, maybe I just came to expect You were just numb to the maybe to the yeah. shoddy storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. But here we go. Julie's asleep in bed for some reason. I guess they wanted her to get a good night's rest before they turned her into a werewolf. And she uh, doesn't seem to be uh constrained in, in any way, you know. No. Um, well, maybe if she's a you know a vampire underling now that she just is forced to sleep during the day or yeah, something. Could be, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, Batman decides, hey, it's daytime. Here's this. <laughs> here's a silver statue, and I happen to have this bullet mold. <sighs> um, and this candle can easily melt this statue. No bullet mold. No. Um, let's make a silver bullet to kill this <laughs> uh, vampire. He's <sighs> really a werewolf, but maybe a vampire. I have a lot of problems with that. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to know how ludicrous the idea of him melting that statue is? I actually Googled and did some scientific research on this. the uh, The melting point of silver is at least fifteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. And uh, the temperature of a candle depends on what kind of you know material, what kind of wax is burning. Uh-huh. And it's conceivable that a flame could reach two thousand degrees Fahrenheit. Right. But to use a candle to melt a giant silver statue would take forever. I mean, yeah. to, to just go grab some silverware out of the kitchen and <laughs> hold a lighter up to it and see how long it takes to, to even, <laughs> you know, scorch it. it right. <sighs> so there's that that bit of you know insanity, and then there's right. the fact that there's a bullet mold lying around. I don't right. know, or he or brought he it with just him. Pulls out of nowhere. And then lastly, if they're vampires, last I checked. The silver thing was for werewolves, and you know, vampires—you could just stake them through the heart. So that seems a lot easier. Just find a piece of wood. No, I think silver works on vampires. In some some mythology, it works. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I not. I mean, vampires, but I mean, at the end of the day, it depends on what you write, I guess. But um, oh yeah. But uh, it just seems to me that if I was Batman, thinking, okay, what kills a vampire? Okay, I could forge a silver bullet, or. <laughs> I could just take this table leg and, you know, (laughs) that sounds easier. Uh, But this is the first time Batman uses a gun. Maybe he was confused, not to step on it, maybe he was confused that, um, whether they were werewolves or vampires too. Yeah. So he thought, well, I'll just use the silver bullet and cover all my bases. And who can blame him, really? (laughs) I'm totally confused at this point. (laughs) Exactly. But they're sleeping in coffins, and it's nighttime, so that sounds vampire to me. Yeah. Um, so anyway, go back to the what you said before. Uh, first time he uses a gun. Mm-hmm. Which he pulls out of nowhere. That's a good point. I didn't even think I mean, of that. if he had the gun, why didn't he use it to shoot the, the wolves when he was in the pit? Did he forget he, he had the gun, too? He hadn't forged the bullets yet. Well, so he just carries an empty gun. I guess. Maybe that was... Is he like Barty Fife now, or what? Like I was going to say... Uh, um, he held a gun at Detective Number Twenty Nine and didn't right. shoot it. So maybe that's the same gun. Maybe he pocketed it and never did anything with it. Well, uh, then why? Uh, <laughs> that's that's. You complete. have a gun. You're in a pit with wolves. I would shoot the werewolves. Yeah. Well, maybe along with the uh, bullet mold and the silver statue and the candle, he found the gun <laughs> in the monk's belongings. <sighs> it's like a really bad video game, you know. Collect all these items and. <laughs> yeah. And create a way to kill the yeah. villain. Yeah. Uh, but at the end, the last panel is kind of cool. I like, you know, Julie fawning all over Batman. Um, right. But before we get there, we have more confusion. Uh-huh. Because Batman walks past this large row of pods. Yeah. That are, It's like, are those other vampires or? It seems like it is. Because you can kind of. So did he shoot them too or? It's badly rendered, but it seems like you can make out bodies. Or skeletons. Yeah. I'm not sure what else it would be. You know, it's not art deck. It's not like wall decoration. I mean, no. it looks like coffins or something. So, but then we get Batman in, in the uh, the tomb of the vampires, mm-hmm. and we see there's a wall, and Julie is laying, or Dala, excuse me, is laying in a coffin right by the wall, and the monk is laying in a coffin right by that. So then, in the next panel, we see Batman on the left side of. <laughs> He's standing in her coffin. <laughs> Um, he's hardcore. We don't know if he shot Dollar or not. It's never really said. Um, the Batman. That's true. It isn't yeah. said. It's. I guess it's implied. I mean, why would he shoot one vampire and not the other? But yeah. vampire werewolf. But. And is um. I also don't get the smoke. Or is that smoke? The panel where he's shooting. 
the monk in the head. It looks like smoke is coming off his fingers like he's holding a cigarette or something. Maybe that's from the gun. Oh, I, okay. I guess that could be. It's just is. It's, it's badly drawn. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to tell. Yeah. It, it seemed like he was sitting there smoking while the Batman shot him in the face. <laughs> and it's. I find it interesting. That's the only time we ever see the monk too. Is. Right. One panel with him on without the hood on. Right. In a little suit. So, yeah. do these count for the kill count? You think or? Uh, that's what I was wondering because they're, they're not already... human, and they were technically, if they're vampires, they're technically already dead. Yeah. They're they're alive. They're undead, I guess. Yeah. I say count it. Why not? All right. He shot him in the face. That's pretty. <laughs> yeah, he shot him in the face. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't say I like this story, but maybe. I can't say I liked it either. Because of because of last episode's you know issue that we covered the. And I was so upset by that one that this one I kind of just turned my brain off maybe and just found that it flowed a little better for me. Um, I I, but it's it still – it's just full of nonsense, yeah. It was just terrible. I mean I was – last issue I was willing to forgive some of the unanswered questions because oh. I presumed apparently very wrongly that they would be answered in this issue. But yeah. they don't. So now it's just like nothing makes sense. And, and like you said last episode, this issue just presents even more questions Right. than – it left unanswered last time. Right. So. Exactly. So I guess we have to read the uh, the Matt Wagner version. It can't be as bad as this. Oh, it can't possibly. Um, but anyway, I got to thinking that maybe it's just uh, Gardner Fox. It seems like we've been having a lot more, you know, what the heck moments since he took over. Yeah, could be. And I'm not saying that Bill Finger's perfect because he's only got two issues right. in our show so far. And, you know, maybe he just got lucky, but, but his were very, you know, simple, straightforward, you know, murder or burglary stories. And, and with Gardner, it's like, he's trying to introduce, you know, big bad guys, Dr. Death and the monk and stuff, but he's sacrificing plot logic. Sense. Yeah. Uh, so I'm know, interested maybe... to see what happens when Finger comes back. Yeah. We get Robin. That's what happens. Which he does next issue somewhat. Mm. For three Oh, pages. Yeah. Yeah, but the main story next issue is oh, Fox. Right. But, but we'll save that for next time, next we'll episode. We'll save that, right. No Bruce Wayne in this story. Nope. Which is a first. Mm-hmm. There, there really wasn't a place for Bruce Wayne, though. No. And they probably could have squeezed him in in the last panel, in a last panel. Yeah. As they get back to uh, <laughs> New York or whatever, but... How was your trip in werewolf country, honey? <laughs> Feel better? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, oh, I have a question about this last panel. Speaking of last uh-huh. panels, yeah. Julie says, "I don't know who you are, but you saved my life, and I shall be forever grateful." Mm-hmm. So, was her mind wiped of everything that happened, like last issue, from or, being hypnotized and all that, or? Or does she mean I don't know who you really are? Under the mask, look, that could be too. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't know which. I hope we see more of her, but I'm not sure we will see a lot more of her. Uh, um, here and there. I mean, she's not like Lois Lane. She doesn't appear no. in most of the issues. But yeah, we do see more of her. Good. Um, down the road. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, she's so far she's kind of been just a a gimmick, but mm-hmm. that's why I kind of hope she'll show up again so that we can actually, you know, see her not under a vampiric werewolf trance and see what she's like. Uh, from what I remember, I don't think we're gonna like her any more then either. But yeah, probably it's not. It's been quite a while since I read those, so. Since I had no idea she was, you know, even coming, I kind of had a feeling that she's not going to be that major of a character, or else I right. probably would have heard of her by now. Right. She's no Vicky Vale. But anyway, like last. But she was played by what was that supermodel's name? When that Batman and Robin she was in. Who Julie? Yeah. Is she? I don't remember. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. You could be right. Yeah, he did have a fiance in that series serial, didn't he? Yeah, she was in uh, Batman and Robin, played by Elle McPherson. Oh. Wikipedia says many of her scenes oh, were Oh, that? Bat- I was thinking you meant the serial. No. Well, I've never seen the serials. Oh, okay. I think he had a, a fiancé in that, too. I wonder if it was Julie. But, okay, yeah. But it says many of her scenes were edited out of the final, the film's final cut. Uh, thus, she is the only film love interest of Batman not to have a prominent role. So. And I don't think they were engaged in that film. Were they? Uh, was it the whole scene about when are you going to tie the knot? And he did that George Clooney smile, evade the question thing. And 
It could be. I've, yeah. I've missed so much of that from my mind. <sighs> I know. We'll have to watch it again. We should we should do a commentary on that as an April, next yeah. April Fools or something. Um, uh, this is Bruce Wayne's girlfriend. She proposes to Bruce, but she but he does not respond, fearing for her safety. So yeah, yeah, they weren't technically anyway. Well, if you want to read this story, and I don't see why you wouldn't after that awesome review we just gave. Um, run, much, run away. Much like last issue, it was reprinted in the same things. One hundred page. Super Spectacular and 1973, uh, the greatest Batman stories ever told, hardcover and softcover in 88 and 89, Batman Archives Volume 1 in 1990, and Batman Chronicles Volume 1 in 2005. And I have no idea why this story was reprinted so much. Yeah. It's certainly not on the merits of the story. The only thing I can think of is that it was, you know, it's got the first Batplane and the first Batarang and his first, I guess, villain that wasn't uh, human. Or his first, first super villain. His first fiance. His first fiance, yes. Uh, but other than that, it's just a bad story. I think I think it is a bad story full of firsts. So maybe that's why they maybe, they maybe feel the need to continue to show it off. Yeah, I'm actually curious what what uh, how close the Matt Wagner version is to this. If yeah. anyone out, if anyone out there has read that and can maybe give us a you know, two paragraph summary of whether it was better or worse or what the changes were, if there were any, send us an email and let us know because I'm kind of curious. Well, we won't get into that for like a decade. So That came out what, in the 90s? or uh, 2006, I think. Okay, it cannot possibly be as bad as these last two issues. Oh, no. I mean, that's it, I just can't conceive of that. But we'll see. Yeah. Rocketed as a beat from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman in the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast following the adventures of Superman from 1970 to the Burn reboot in 1986. Follow along at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com. You are cordially invited to attend a podcast that observes the unfolding events of history. Come with me and observe the birth and growth of a legend. Pages of a 10 cent pulp comic book to the newspapers, radio program adventures, theatrical films, and more. Witness the dawn of the superhero. Superman. Available on iTunes and at goldenagesuperman.libson.com. Every legend has a beginning. Okay, so elsewhere in uh, this particular issue, we have a one-pager called Odds and Ends by Sheldon Maldoff, and it was about sports trivia, of all things, which I thought was kind of weird in Detective Comics. But, uh, then we have six pages of Bart Regan Spy by Jerry Siegel and Mark Bailey. We have six pages of Buck Marshall Range Detective called The in Last... Full Color. Yeah, now in full color. Called The Last Act, again by Homer Fleming. Did the color help the story any? Um, it's It was okay. I don't I actually don't mind uh, Buck Marshall stories that much. Oh. I mean, not that they're great, but... You're a closet Buck Marshall fan. Yeah, I just don't want hate mail. Um. Legends of Buck Marshall, a new podcast coming to your iPhone. Dang it, you spoiled it. Um, One pager, Crime Never Pays, once again, by Vin Sullivan. Uh, Six pages of Larry Steele, Private Detective, by Fred Ernst. A two-page text piece called Vanishing Gems by Gardner Fox, which probably made no sense. Um, (laughs) A six-page Speed Sonder Ace Investigator story called The Skull Face Cult, and it was by Fred Gardiner. 
six pages, six pages, six pages of Cosmo, the Phantom of Disguise, who actually is worthy of that title. Did he actually disguise himself this time? Actually disguised himself, finally. I don't know. It's been... It was the color that helped out. That was the color, too. It's been five stories. And it was by Sven Elven. And six pages of Bruce Nelson by Tom Hickey. And a whopping 13 pages, eventually called Undercover as Bellhops, featuring Slam Bradley by the infamous Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And once again, it opens with him punching a, a guy in the face. This what did time, he say this time? This time, one guy again. And his little uh, short friend, whose name escapes me, says... Uh, Shorty. Yeah. That's so, <laughs> so hard to remember. Um, Shorty says, sock him, Slam. And Slam responds with, just watch me. I don't think that's on the tough guy handbook. That wasn't, as, that wasn't... That didn't seem very uh, witty. No, it wasn't as catchy as the last couple. That's the... Uh, I think this is the last... Slam Bradley story drawn by Joe Schuster. Oh. I think so. Superman just takes over everything. Mm-hmm. So who takes over, do you know? Yeah. Mark Bailey. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And they kept picking him because he's just a uh, Joe Schuster-ish looking... Probably, yeah. Artist. Yeah. Probably. You want to talk about the ad on the back page? It's our oh. first real kind of cool ad. Okay. For the, for the Daisy Air Rifle. Uh, <laughs> it's a... Uh, You'll shoot your eye out. Daisy Air Rifle... Uh, be a frontiersman. Carry this carbine. It's actually a pretty cool ad. It can be all yours for two dollars and fifty cents. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. She's a lightning-loading Swedish shooting carbine. Yeah, that's like twenty comics. A new gun for new fun. Yeah. Following the footsteps of Kit Carr, frontiersman. <laughs> uh, all right. So elsewhere in the DC universe, uh, this was a very boring month. There was. Oh really? There was nothing. Uh, we had More Fun Comics number 48, Adventure Comics number 43, Action Comics number 18. Uh, that's got the final non-Superman cover on action for a very long time. And really the biggest thing of the month was the debut of Gary Concord, the Ultraman, and All-American Comics number 8. Who the heck is that? Exactly. Yeah. Gary Concord, the Ultraman? Gary Concord, the Ultraman. Sounds like a... Uh... John L. Bloomer. Is that DC? Mm-hmm. Well, oh. All-American, yeah. Okay, so he's not going to get sued. Right. Okay. And there was no Marvel or Timely this month, so they come back next month with Bummer. a couple books. But yeah. Yep. They were off to a slow start. Yeah, they they weren't real regular at the, at the beginning, I don't think. But I know I know we have some uh, next issue, so or next mm. month, whatever you want to call it. So. Okay. So well, you got anything else? No. I think that wraps up this spectacular tale. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to next week, though, but I guess we'll tell you why then. Yes, next next issue is a very uh, very important issue. So yes. make sure um, we're not going to say anything else, but yeah. make sure to listen to next episode because right. it's one of the most historic um, tales right. of Batman. So exactly, the story of Julie. <laughs> <laughs> She is how she came to be. Yeah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Please tune in. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so speaking of shows, um, everything you need to know about this this podcast, you can get through our, our website at batmanlegends.com where we have yeah, show notes and show images about uh, what we've been talking about. Uh, there's an RSS link, or if you prefer to follow through iTunes, there's an iTunes link where you can just click subscribe. Uh, there's a... Uh, also a Facebook and a Twitter link, depending on uh, what kind of social network you choose to be on. Um, but you should be on Facebook. Facebook is much cooler, but yes. but I kind of like Twitter too a little bit. Uh, not to be forgotten, uh, Mike also has a uh, Superman podcast where he covers the early Golden Adventures of Superman called The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, which you can find at greatcrypton.com or, again, by clicking the cool little graphic on our website. And... Also, be sure to visit our partners, Batman Yesterday and Yesterday Today and Beyond, uh, which is a fan site for Batman comics, toys, figures, news, and more. Uh, again, that's at batmanytb.com, or you can find a link on our website, batmanlegends.com. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week where we'll be covering Detective Comics number 33. See you later. See you next week. 
Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Copyright DC Comics. So you're not afraid, well you better be punk Cause this is my rhyme, so you feel like my funk Bad 